0: Hey this is Russell and I work at the video store, the place you can go once a week whenever it is movie night. Interesting people pop in to rent something each week and when the store is quiet I get to watch movies and series and talk about them with some of my best friends. Alright, let's do it. Let's open up the shop.
1: It? Good morning. It's G-Force. Yeah. G-Force was a little sick. Been a, I've been a little under the weather. <laughs> you got the coveys Yeah, I think so. You had it. Yeah, well, okay. I mean, who knows how long these things last. <laughs> well, hopefully <laughs> I don't get it now. Yeah. <laughs> um
0: Hello everyone and welcome to the video store. um Today on the show we have Gareth Cliff. Yeah, which is very interesting and exciting. Right. I have been... Over the course of our year so far doing the video store, I've very much been roping in my friends mm. and the people around me or the people who I've come to know. Um, and then as we've been doing it, I've been building this wish list yes. of some of the personalities that exist in South Africa. And and we have been working together um, with the lovely Rochelle Krauss, who is helping us book a lot of this talent. Okay. Um, she is our publicist. Cool. Um, shout out to Rochelle. And um, I've, we've had this wish list, mm. and Gareth Cliff was on that. Yeah. And um, so it was great that they could make time for us. Yeah, definitely. We we typically have the guest pop in to mm-hmm. rent something, and they come to the Bioscope. Yes. Uh, in this case, I visited him. Yes. At Cliff Central. So uh, things sound a little different because definitely... we're actually using their microphones. I came with... Um,
1: uh, our little setup. Our setup. And then they were like, everything's we're, we're setup, sorted. We, nice. we should just do this. It sounds really good. They have a well, very he's, legit setup. <laughs>
0: he's, he's a professional dude. Yeah. Um, so that is going to happen in a moment. Um, I'll, I'll be visiting yes. Gareth. But uh, one thing we wanted to just mention um, there is a, a film called The Nun 2 mm. coming out. There was obviously the nun. And yes. Now this
1: is the nun too. One of James Wan's many horror franchises. Yeah,
0: i i i tend to I tend to skip horror. Yes, <laughs> um, my life I feel is exciting enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've just never quite, um, never quite been a horror dude. Right? Have you? Um, kind of. It
1: depends on the kind of horror. Yeah, because there's a bunch of different kinds of horror.
0: But uh, yeah, it's all very highly anticipated. Mm. The Nun 2. And uh, as the video store, there is a special screening. So if you're listening to this in the week in which this episode's coming out, on the 7th of September in both Joburg and Cape Town, there is a special pre-release screening cool. that we, as the video store, tend to go to. Yes. But this one's a little extra special. They're giving us some tickets to give away. Nice. So uh, when this episode comes out, we are going to post about it on Instagram, on our Instagram uh, page which is the video store pod yeah. and over on Facebook we've got a group uh, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the video store Cool. and on those posts uh, we would like you to leave a comment telling mm. us why you should come yeah. to the special screening and we've got some tickets to
1: give away nice there'll be links in the description to all our social medias so yes you don't have to remember them
0: but we want to get to know you yeah I exactly. think that'll be nice to to meet some guys hmm. Who who want to come to these kinds of screenings and um, if you, especially if you listen to the podcast, we'd love to yeah. hang out with you on the night. Mm. And there's always some free popcorn, <laughs> <laughs> which is courtesy of the distributor. In this case, it's Empire Entertainment, okay, who cool. are really lovely folks. Yeah, And so it's cool that they've given this um, prize away. Cool. All right. But I think, mm. let's not waste too much time. Yeah. Um, we're going to get into this. But please stick around afterwards. I'm going to catch up with Graham. There's a bunch of stuff we've been watching. Yeah. And we'd love you to stick around for that post-guest chat. Cool. And, yeah, let's get into it. Let's do it. All right. This is Gareth Cliff popping in to rent something.
2: How's it? Great. Um, this is very, very cool. And I like what you've done with the Bioscope. Independent Bioscopes, is <laughs> very cool. I, I, I can't believe I've been there, and I've been there on a Sunday – and I went yes. to see a, a, a tremendous presentation, Luca and, and Yashin, um, about the universe. Amazing, right? Phenomenal.
0: And when I try and explain to people what we do at the Bioscope, I love to use that as an example because it's, yeah. sometimes it's not even cinema.
2: <laughs> he, well, he, I mean, hasn't cinema also changed? I just had a conversation literally an hour before you arrived about whether or not it's worth going to see Oppenheimer. Okay. And I came to the conclusion that it's three hours. I'll <laughs> wait till it's, uh, I can watch it on my laptop.
0: Well, let me tell you, it's totally <laughs> worth watching in IMAX.
2: I'm sure. Um, With the, especially because you've got a nuclear explosion. Yeah, the
0: sound. You forget that a big part of IMAX. You think going in that it's all about the screen. It's all about the visuals. But mm. what's underrated about the cinema experience is the sound. And it's incredible. And it three hours goes by quite easily okay that that part's not too All too right. tough, yeah, um no, and you've got to make it an experience, okay, and Why I think I,
2: I feel chastised well, <laughs> I won't bring it up again
0: no, 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 it's exciting to to talk about, and I think it's cool that recently you know cinema's won, yeah. cinema has gotten people coming out for Oppenheimer, and people are dressing up in pink and going to watch Barbie. It's right. cool that that just the act of getting together in a group yeah. is no, no. no this has winning. been this has
2: been a good month for cinema. Totally. Yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, universe on stage was something that I take great joy in having kind of born out of the bioscope. Luca uh, came in on a random day and just said, "Oh yeah," and I've been thinking about this show, and I was like, "Dude, sounds great." You know, he's this. Um, he he he's a. Um, actuarial scientist but he's got this love and passion for black holes and, and space and mm-hmm. I was like anyone who talks like that saying I want to do that I want to grow that kind of community or uh, um, whenever they talk about that and they want to use the bioscope it's always like geez you got to it's got to be here absolutely and so we've developed this That's show cool. and it was very cool that you came out so no, I, it, I, was, I w- it
2: was good fun um, I, I always think that it's nice to to learn new things, and nice to go into new environments. But as I get older, I'm becoming more and more difficult and, and less likely to be persuaded and stuff like that. So it when just, I do once I'm there, I love it. Yeah, But actually getting me to leave the house is bloody awful. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the bioscope is, is also certainly very much a thinking person's space. That's also how I've always described it to people over right. the years. It's people that want to learn more. They want to come to the documentaries that are about, like, a, an important topic. Right. Um, so, yeah, we are taking great joy in that. And then, of course, the video store has now been a new baby for us to talk oh, more about That's so cool. I remember,
2: and- I remember video stores when I was a kid. <laughs> it was a thing.
0: So, perhaps speaking on that, um, it's quite nice for us to, to go back and, and perhaps go through a little journey. Cool. And, and see the films that were big for you along the way. So, curious to know, where did you grow up?
2: So, I grew up in, um, I, I was born in Pretoria, lived for the first few years on a farm near the Harley Dam, then we moved to um, KZN for a little while, I was at primary school there, moved back here for high school, and pretty much Pretoria, and then, you know, my first uh, home outside of my parents' home was in Morningside in Santon. Uh, spent a couple of years at it at, at, at an apartment, and then um, moved back towards the Pretoria side. So over the Boer curtain again. <laughs> it's got a it's got a, a different energy to Joburg. Pretoria, more, yeah, it's much more relaxed. I, I
0: always say, um, two degrees warmer, ten rand cheaper,
2: <laughs> and the people are nicer. Yeah, you know? they're not as stressed as you know. Joburg's a bloody hard place to live in. We we're, we're used to it because we we we've lived here. Yeah, and we forget that the amount of Tension and stress and energy in the air in Johannesburg because it's also it's one of the few cities in the world that isn't built on a river or a port.
0: That's what I always say to people.
2: And because we are a city that was founded on gold, yeah. it's a place of huge materialism and crass, ugly, kind of real-world concerns. Yeah. no, and if it, concerns. Doesn't,
0: if it doesn't work, go over the hill and do it again.
2: Correct, and people here don't really have time. You know, also they, 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 they mean what they say. Yeah. They don't really have time for nonsense. They're not gonna like Cape Tonians will say to you, Oh, we must definitely do something and nothing ever happens. Yeah. joburg people actually get <laughs> things done. But Pretoria has all that, because a lot of the people who work in Johannesburg live in Pretoria. Yeah. That's why the highway is such a nightmare. Yeah. But it has a it it has a, a gentility which Johannesburg sometimes lacks, you know. Yeah. People in Pretoria don't go, ah, how's it brew? You're hot, eh? <laughs> I talk like that. It's a funny thing.
0: Um, so growing up, we've got uh we've got a, a category of film that we call the, the puppy love film, mm. which is your 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 first partner, your first love. Oh,
2: okay. So yeah, and this would be the one that you take your girlfriend so, in standard two. This is like yeah, maybe you right. can
0: hold hands or Oy. you know, and and curious to know for wow. you growing up, what was that? You know, there's an innocence to the puppy love film i um, curious I've, to know what, what that I was I've got to tell you,
2: I've always really hated <laughs> romantic movies. Okay. I've always hated them. I've never found them particularly compelling. Uh, I've always preferred to laugh. And maybe because when I was at school, um, the girls weren't interested in certainly any of the things that I could do except make them laugh at that point. Okay. So making them laugh was a way for me to get them. Okay, and for me to get their interest, but this so, the, so if I could if I could do that in a movie as well, the movie experience would be expanding on on what I was already successful in territory wise. Okay, so it'd but, be funny stuff; it wouldn't be serious,
0: but more more just as a as a metaphor, an analogy for for the kind of film that that came your way. I'm at trying that to point, think what your, kind your of, relationship with cinema?
2: Yeah. So, what sort of um, what sort of movies were around when? Because I think you're about the same age as I am. maybe you're a bit younger. I was born 85.: Okay, no, you're a lot younger. <laughs> um, I, I sometimes feel older, but yeah. I don't know.: uh...
0: Okay, well, if there wasn't an obvious one that, that stuck out, maybe it'll
2: come to you a little bit later,
0: but the one that you
2: yeah, I think watched if you, if you watched get onto a lot other, of... other movies. Okay, okay, my favorite movie of all time. and I did see it at the cinema was "Remains of the Day." Remains with of Anthony the day. Hopkins and Emma Thompson, okay. he plays a butler okay in a house a country house in england just after world war 1 and before world war 2 okay and it's the story of unrequited love between the two of them she's okay. the housekeeper he's the butler but it's 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 just never it never happens okay it's the most absolutely frustrating movie you've ever seen but it's also Beautiful. It's put together beautifully. Okay. Um, so that, every, that every, one every, stuck out for you. Every scene is just laden with kind of symbolism and 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 this 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 hanging, desperate kind of please just just be with each other situation, and it just never it never happens. No,
0: oh, interesting. Okay, how old no. were you when you watched that?
2: Oh no, that must have been when I was in my early twenties or late uh, teens. Okay.
0: Okay, but you consider that your. Your, it's my favorite your movie favorite of all movie. time. Okay, yeah, it's, because it's because we've got the me. we've got the puppy love film, and then after that we've got your your kind of high school crush,
2: like the film that the film that that for you. Yeah, chronologically. So again, you know, I was I was a Star Wars fan. I I liked Indiana Jones. I liked. What did you think of the new one? Have you watched? I haven't. I won't watch the new one. I refuse <laughs> to. No, I refuse to watch. I didn't watch the. Uh, Crystal Skull one either. Okay. Because... You want
0: to keep your heroes your heroes. Yeah, and, and I, I
2: hate what Star Wars did with, with Luke Skywalker in the, in the final three that they've just massacred and, okay. and uh, in yeah. an abomination of cinema turned into just absolute fodder for people who couldn't care less about the Star Wars story. I think George Lucas must... Quietly, be crying in some corner of his house right now, thinking about wiping his, his soul, wiping his tears with all his money. Well, he may be, but I, I think <laughs> I think deep down inside, he knows he's made a terrible mistake. Okay, all right. So, so, so I'm hurt about that. Okay, if you were looking for pain, you found it. <laughs>
0: all right, um, interesting. But uh,
2: puppy love, I can't help you. Um, high school crush. I mean, there were a lot of those sort of. Um, those teen movies when we were kids, I suppose, that yeah, I, that I also really liked. I mean, uh, things like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, yeah, classic and shit like that. That was yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, and I remember I watched that at the cinema. I must have been in primary school. Yeah, yeah, and and I I, I loved that story because it was just you know this kind of teenage rebellion, guy meets girl, love story. Comedy—it was all the right things.
0: Yeah, we we've had an event at the bioscope called "We're Bunking." Yeah, and and we we do it on a midday on a Friday, and the That's idea awesome. is like get off work, come and watch a movie. I mean, the Please first do movie, not
2: do not go around persuading South Africans to take any more time off work than they already do. <laughs> we've got an economy to keep going
0: here. No, and you can build my economy by coming to the bioscope. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we've got that high school crush, and then we we like to then ask people. Um, as you leave school, you get a little bit more serious. Life gets a bit more serious. You mm. settle down with someone. Mm. Like, What's the film you kind of settle down with? And I think at that point, you're kind of crafting probably your career. You've probably come out of high school at this point. Where did you study? Well,
2: um, I studied at Tux in Pretoria. Did you do like media stuff? Uh, no, I studied law, oh, which I, I hated. Um, and eventually halfway through final year, I quit. I didn't want to do law anymore and my, Jeez, you, were, my, you were so close yeah i know my parents keep telling me that and, and they said look we're not paying for any of this and i said fine and then i went and got a job in radio yeah which they're still not sure if it's a career or not <laughs> that, and that's some 25 years later
0: um obviously five was the big radio time what was
2: what well I, I started that? off at 702 um okay. and i i did afternoons there for a bit then i did mornings i took over from john burks and before john robbie um, and then 5FM made me an offer. It was, it was a bit of a, there was, an, there was an undercover deal going on because while I was still doing the morning show at 7.02, my now business partner, then manager, Rena Brumberg, and uh, Peter Matlari, who'd just taken over at the SABC, had got into conversation about bringing me across to 5. Mm. And I started there in the early 2000s. And they put me on Afternoons to begin with and then later on onto Mornings.
0: Yeah, Mornings Mm. was a big...
2: Yeah, we did that show for eight years.
0: Yeah. Mm. Um, Mornings was happening at the same time as
2: Idols. Uh, Idols had started before I'd started 5FM. So it was while I was still at 702. But they were more or less concurrent. And... Yeah, I could do both because idols, everybody imagined that it would take, you know, hours and hours of every day of the week. And really the shooting schedule was very easy for the judges and we would just arrive and then yeah. we'd do our thing and then we'd leave. Yeah. We didn't have to be there for rehearsals or any of that stuff because we weren't we weren't rehearsing lines. Yeah. So we would just walk in, usually in wardrobe, because they wouldn't tell us what to wear. Yeah. And then We'd go into into makeup. The director would come in while we were sitting there and say, hey, I need you to do this and this and this. We'd go, cool. Mostly we'd forget what he asked us to do. <laughs> and then we'd go on the show live. And And the morning show on, on 5 was, was really, I think we broke all the records. I mean, in commercial radio terms, we had an enormous audience. We were pulling in millions and millions of rounds in advertising. And we'd created sort of, a whole bunch of catchphrases and ideas and things that people were participating in. It, it felt like a national project in some way. Yeah. And I think it, you know, at very least, uh, I'll be proud if people found it worth laughing at in the mornings, which yeah. is good enough. But I think it was a little bit more. Um, to not put too fine a point on it, I, I do believe we, we kind of became – one of those things that brought people together, and increasingly in South Africa at the moment, I feel like that's missing.
0: Yeah, no, I I, I agree, and it it I've certainly felt at least, yeah, with short straw, with the bias code, with everything mm. I do, you you get the feeling now that everyone is just in their own little bubbles, and I think you kind of saw that coming, right?
2: Um, I think. From five to well, I realised like Cliff Central you know, morning show on on a big commercial station. It's only a matter of time before they find a reason because you've become too expensive. You know they they're paying you more every year, or because they need to change. Because for some for some obscure, bizarre reason, every time management have a working wheel, they want to reinvent it. Yeah. Um, in all radio stations, all over the world, all the time.
0: And in the words of Jake White, don't change a winning formula.
2: Correct. And they, <laughs> they, they would have wanted to. And I remember they were talking in the beginning of 2014. And we well, were thinking about doing this and that. And I, I went off to New York. Um, ironically, 2013, Nelson Mandela died. And in 2014, we put on a tribute for him in New York, which was um, at a, a big cathedral I was on stage with Morgan Freeman reading passages from Long Walk to Freedom. Oh, wild. The Soweto Gospel Choir sang at the end of it. Bill Clinton gave the keynote address at this, this tribute. Yeah. And I had said to 5FM before we went and did it in the January of 2014, don't you think this is something you should pay for, you should be involved in? We can get sponsors, we could do a whole thing in New York. No, it's not really our target market. I thought, what, Nelson Mandela is not your target market? (laughs) So I I had, you know, Rena and I discussed many times, when is the right time to leave? And we were like, these people don't know what they're doing. They've got their heads up their asses. And we need to start looking to the future. And that was where, obviously, online was going to be the future, digital, streaming, podcasting. And the idea for Cliff Central had been bubbling around for a while. And we decided to press the button once we got back from New York, but we didn't tell them until a week before I resigned. Oh, okay. So we didn't tell them anything. And the, the, the week before I resigned, we kind of just said, oh no, the contract that you've waited for us to sign, we're just, the lawyers are busy with it. And we delayed and delayed, and then on the last day I resigned on air. They had no idea. Caught them completely <laughs> off guard with their pants down. And that's why, for about a month or two afterwards, they were scrambling to put together some kind of morning show. Okay. They threw in whoever they could find. It started off with poor old Grant, and then they 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 eventually talked fresh into doing it, and against his will, he wasn't keen to do it at all. And you know, it was a it was a bit of a coup de grace for us because we could start what we were doing, and we had a month between when I did my last show. And, Five FM at the end of March and we launched Cliff Central on the first of May. We had a month to play, you know, this game of where's Gareth, what's next? And people really cared because mm. we'd built such a loyal and enormous audience. So it was a fun, fun thing to do that. And and I don't regret any of it. Okay. It was the right time to go.
0: Interesting.
2: Um Quit per- while you're at the top, you know, not yeah. while not while you're starting to slide down.
0: Perhaps you've um explained this at ad, ad nauseum, but you use the term unradio. Mm.
2: W- w- sorry, do you mind explaining to me what that <laughs> well, what that term was? It it seemed at the time that there was a lot of countercultural stuff going on. Um I don't I didn't think uh, we came up with unradio. I think it was actually um some friends of ours at an ad agency at, at uh, TBWA who were playing with the idea. They said they'd do it for us as, you know, yeah, part of the kind of fact that we'd worked together and been friends for a long time. Um Reena knows John and, and Reg, who started the agency. And I had got to know a whole lot of the people who'd come through after that. So they did this as a campaign. It was almost like a, a political party manifesto, but it wasn't a political party. Mm. Okay. So I wrote this manifesto. They took that. They came up with the term unradio. What was the, thought what was, that's cool.
0: What was the, the chief argument of the manifesto? What was the so sort it was, of chief it point? Was
2: that South Africa needs something new. Um, radio is not going to last forever. Yeah. Um the entertainment business is is you know needs needs something that's revolutionary people need to be able to speak honestly and openly again. Um social media has stolen some of that thunder but it's still not authentic communication because it's not face to face and it's not you know mouth to ear and all of those kinds of things. But on radio the idea there was that we were going to do things differently.
0: Cause Five FM especially, same as Metro, are inside the SABC building. Yes, yeah. And so I found it interesting that you under that umbrella, and with that also comes a certain level of code of conduct, like all radio stations. So, but, yeah, but I the, never it, really
2: bothered about the, that. There, there seemed to you, be a extra... no, I never paid any attention to the rules.
0: <laughs> sure, but I mean it's interesting that those were still there, and I know um some of the guys in the history of five that also got in trouble for calling out African leaders or something. And there was, well, I there was remember one of the
2: things, ironically, um, the EFF had launched that year. Oh, and wild. the elections were that year. So it was mm. a very fractious time. And I wanted to interview Julius Malema because he was the founder of this new political party. He and I had had conversations before. They wouldn't let me talk to him. They wouldn't let me have him on the show. Interesting. That yeah. was the only time that management ever really put their foot down and said no. And I think there was... Pressure from the ANC at that point, but I could also see it was just before Old Thlaidi Motsweneng took over, mm. who was and he was a clusterfuck of a human being, yeah, and incompetent, ham-fisted, and unbelievably stupid in everything that he did. And the, the, that thought, was the head of the SABC. Yeah, he took yeah. over, and and it was shortly after I left, but they called me in on on that final day and that desperation they kind of called me to a floor i'd never been to so high up it was that my ears popped in the lift on the way up and i walked into this um this huge plush office with sofas all over the place a private little bathroom he was the head of commercial radio some guy i'd never met before supposedly my boss's boss's boss or something okay and he said what do you need what can we give you and it felt so good because i looked him in the eye and i said there's nothing you have that I want, okay, and there was nothing he could say to that, so I walked out there feeling as if my balls were as big as <laughs> billiard balls, <laughs> okay like rugby balls, yeah, fucking melons, okay and I never looked back. that was the yeah. last time I ever was at the s a b c okay it was a it was it was cheeky. Yeah, but I but I <laughs> kind to of say. I kind of had to believe that what we were going to do next was going to be more exciting, and it it has been.
0: Yeah, my yeah, and it's interesting the the loss of this kind of mainstream media, um, where we're all tuning in. Hmm. I think I've I've long since said these kinds of things, whether they're right or wrong. But you know, I always think of someone like like a Beyonce is perhaps one of the last. Big artists of mainstream media and like Game of Thrones is one of the last yeah. big shows where we it's, all it's tuned where, where
2: in. It becomes an event rather than just a service. Well, just a, you know? a
0: conversation that we're all in. Now yeah. the audience might be as big but you're either in it and you know it and love it, or you've never heard.
2: Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> and my heart goes out to a, an artist trying to make it today. Oh, man,
2: musicians. When, At least radio gave you a place where once you would got onto radio, you had a fair degree of confidence that you'd be successful. Well, there was just could this massive… You could, you could sell music.
0: Your bubble just could grow in one, in one big burst. Yeah, now you have to bigger. compete
2: with everyone else on YouTube. Yeah.
0: And you just gotta grow your 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 bubble sort of inch by inch. Um you you had us on um short straw came to Cliff Central once mm. and I um I must say out of all the interviews we did or have ever done over the years, um I th- I actually thought that you were one of the few who kinda got it. <laughs> who kind of got what the life of a musician is. Where it's not where I think you understood, I can't remember how you phrased it, but I just remember in that moment going, okay, now he gets it.
2: Well, no, thank you. I, you know, every time I, I bring anyone in for an interview, I really try to learn something from them because everyone can teach you something. Yeah, because the,
0: the, the behind the curtain is the fact that it's not necessarily that glamorous. Oh, no, that you people, got to work real like hard. People think that about
2: everything. They they think Tom Cruise's life is all the red carpets and the, you know, the the – the being on posters and looking cool and doing stunts and all that. The real work is like, imagine learning lines in a caravan. Yeah. Don't tell me that's glamorous. Yeah. And th- that's what he's probably spending most of his time doing. Yeah. Or is- going just reading through absolute drivel in scripts. Yeah. Um, or having to sit in meetings with producers who are just horrible people mm. who he has to get the money from to produce the next movie. No one thinks of those things. Yeah. They think, he's a movie star. How bad could his life be when he isn't filming a stunt? He must be lying on the beach, sipping a cocktail. Yeah.
0: No, and I just remember just feeling like you got it. And I thought, okay, no, this is cool. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, it.
2: I've always had a lot of um, simpatico with musicians because I feel there's very few things in the world I'm jealous about. Okay. One of the things that I envy is the ability to write a song. Not to perform a song or sing a song or play a song. It's the song. And okay. I have enormous respect, and maybe it just comes from envy, but I have enormous respect for musicians for that reason because they can do something I cannot do. Okay. And whenever I meet someone who can do something I cannot do, it, it intrigues me. Have you tried much? Oh, please. I've, I, what, on what? I can play the piano moderately well, okay. but I, I can't compose a melody.
0: Well, the one thing I can it's say- It's hard. to do. Sure. But the one thing I can say is that it is in many ways a muscle. And uh, we felt that with one album, with Short Straw in particular, where we gave ourselves this ridiculous task of um, putting out one song a month Oof, for a year. Oh, Deadlines. Oh, man. <laughs> and, um, and we thought, no, we got it. We're like six songs in. It'll be cool. We'll keep writing, keep <laughs> crafting. But of course, when we had these- Songs bank. There were a few where we were like, "No, we want to do that later. We only want to do that last." And so we found ourselves within a few months going, "Shit, we got to write, record, put a song out a month." But we were writing a lot, putting a lot out, and I remember feeling, "This is a muscle. We've been working at it now for so long that we're writing some of the best stuff."
2: We we thought we'd ever. But written. it's it, they say that about writers too. So I've I've written two books, and I hated the experience of both. <laughs> Because there were deadlines. Okay. And suddenly you feel like you're being strong-armed into telling stories. And I also thought like The One especially, which was autobiographical. Like who wants to hear the biography of, at that stage, someone in their late 30s? Yeah. It's not – I haven't lived enough to be able to – you know, that's like – So why did you write it? Because the publisher said we've got to – the first book was successful. We've got to do another one. What led to the first one? Uh, they they came to a meeting and said to me, how about a book? And before I'd even considered it really, everyone else had said yes. And <laughs> suddenly I was writing a book and it was short little anecdotes, kind of stories from my own life, ob- observations, funny things. It was an easy book to write. It was a fun book to write. The second one was absolute hell, but I'm pleased with what came out at yeah. the end. It was, it was useful. It was also at a point where I was ready to Tell some stories. Okay. I divided into four. So the first chapter was, you know, the the beginning of my own life and kind of some some early observations and things there. The second part was radio. The third part was television, and the fourth part was starting Cliff Central. So mm. I had I had a story to tell, but you it had didn't. Some structure. I tried to make it less about me and more about kind of radio in South Africa, television, the experience of television and then starting a business. Mm.
1: I don't know, they both
2: did well, I'm very happy they did. But authors say, to your point, that they have to just keep writing. Yeah, Even if it's rubbish, Mm. every day you have to write two, three, four pages, however much you can get out. And maybe that's true for music as well. But to be able to compose a beautiful melody yeah. I mean that's just that's no, sure. godly. And it's it's that's very special
0: godly. where some of these moments happen where you've crafted eighty percent of the song in thirty minutes, forty oh, minutes. Man. You you'd appreciate this. <laughs> on on a whim, I started chatting to someone that was at this event for the Bioscope many years ago. Um, um older gentleman, uh, English guy, he'd come out because he was the manager of a young Nigerian artist and there was this conference that was happening. Ah, oh, so what have you done? How we somehow got into this chat, and within about 10, 15 minutes, I realised this guy has had this incredible career, one of which was being in this band called Sailor. I don't know whether you remember the band Sailor. Mm. He he said, "Oh, you probably don't know us, but our biggest claim to fame is we were we had a number one that took Bohemian Rhapsody off its record." You're joking. Um, it's record um, number one position. Um and so that checked out, and then he said he was also part of um culture club. He was like part of the band, extra band member. And him and Boy George
2: uh, Boy George's culture. Club.
0: Yeah, him and Boy George were messing around at a piano and he said they wrote comma chameleon oh, together. You're it said it took Good heavens. It, he said it took them about 30 minutes. They wrote it in 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and um and it was just interesting listening to this guy talk and and just you know someone who's got stories about McCartney and Damn. all these other people I just so loved that's it That's amazing but, but i just loved hearing this the story that Karma Chameleon was written in 30 minutes
2: cuz that you makes sense i kind of believe it though it sounds it like then, the kind of song that was written in 30 <laughs> minutes it's a good song but, don't get me wrong but it doesn't sound like something that they poured over like Leonard Cohen did over Hallelujah for perhaps. years and years and years perhaps yeah.
0: not yeah but, um, okay, so we've we've established what your favorite film is. Would
2: mm. you think that's
0: your forever film? Do you think you'd, you, you could watch that forever? I hope not because it's
2: depressing as hell. <laughs> but it it is one of my favorite movies, yeah. Um,
0: okay, so that was in your 20s. Mm-hmm. Okay. Curious to know, what was the film that you were perhaps a bit too young to see? That like when you... Saw <laughs> oh, it. Sharon
2: Stone and in Basic Instinct. But I don't think I was too young. It was just I think that the was, world was too young. That was that you know, was this, okay. pre, this predates Janet Jackson's tit flopping out at the Super Bowl and all of that stuff. And you know, yeah. we didn't have the internet. Sure, at, at that stage. So that was the most raunchy thing available. But perhaps, Sharon Sharon Stone flashing her beaver to the whole world it was like Jesus. This, was a this is myth. exciting. Um, this is very exciting. I don't <laughs> think anyone wasn't talking about that. You talk about events. Sure. Oh, you say Sharon Stone now, that's still any, any, all anyone thinks about. <laughs> um, perhaps on a
0: sort of horror level, was there any film that, that came out? That...
2: No, I've never. I've always detested horror movies because I used to be very frightened as a kid walking around the house at night and all that stuff. I mean, I Especially
0: grew up. Especially if you were that. in a farm. Yeah. All right,
2: exactly. And you hear noises on the window, and you think, oh, no. I remember I was traumatized uh, by an episode of The Twilight Zone where there was this creature on the wing of the plane. Did you ever see that? No, didn't see that one, You should do a Twilight Zone thing at the bioscope. That would be a massive one. Yeah. Because um, this thing, I don't know how old I was, but I remember in the scene there's this guy sitting at the window, on a plane and there's a huge storm outside the plane. There's lightning and th- he sees in a flash of lightning, this thing with like wings and spines coming out of its neck on the wing of the plane, Hector. but at a distance. Yeah. And he kind of looks again and rubs his eyes and the, the rain is coming up against the window and there's lightning. And then he sees nothing and he turns around and he calls the stewardess and he's like, I think I just saw something at the window and she's on her way, but she's making her way slowly down the aisle and, and he looks again and it's right at the window. Jesus. But it's tearing the engine apart and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> it just it that screwed up. Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How I young was like, were you at that point? I can't remember. Okay, yeah. I can't remember. But scenes like that, if yeah. you maybe <laughs> maybe it was we'll just tra- the idea. Track it down. Of, oh no, you know, air travel's not such a good idea anymore. <laughs> I'm not sure what it was, but that really screwed me up for a little while.
0: Okay. Uh, what are you what are you enjoying now? What what kind of Movie
2: wise? Movie, also TV shows. So I have to say, like I haven't seen a lot of movies in the cinema, which is going to be disappointing to you, and I hope, no, I hope you don't uh, judge me for it. But I, I don't like people. I think people have ruined the cinema experience. I don't like to hear someone, you, know, you get these people who go to this and they, they talk back to the screen. Okay. Those people must be murdered in their seats.
0: Well, we, funny enough, have a night at the Bioscope called, like a quote-along night, where we encourage that. But then you know what you're coming for. But but those I think, are
2: like people who are super fans yeah. who are going to say the line as it happens. And I think that's, it that's, a place to, that's a place to do it. I'm talking about these people who are sitting there munching popcorn talking and slurping on some drink. And then as soon as the guy goes, I love you, they go, oh, my God. And they make that kind of noise and they sure, clap sure. In, the, in the middle of the movie and just shut up. It's not about you. Yeah, your yeah. reactions are the least interesting thing. It's not the reason anyone came to see this movie. Sure. Shut up. Get <laughs> out, you you juvenile.
0: Um, perhaps you could appreciate this story then. I remember watching the movie Jerusalem. Do you remember that? The no, South African I never saw it. The South African film that came out probably sure over 10, 13 years ago. Okay. Uh, set in Joburg, cool crime story about Kingpin sort of coming to power. Mm. And I remember watching it. And hearing this dude talk behind me and it was annoying. And and I was about to t- turn around and tell him to shush. But then I realized what he was doing and he was actually like talking to his partner and explaining to her. She blind. No. <laughs> but just, Things that he was recognizing oh, that he was a kind of seeing
2: partner. What an irritating couple! No, Those no, are the no, kind of people um, who, while you're sitting at a dinner party, they he's busy whispering to her, and she's whispering to him the whole time. And you go, oh, why did we invite these people?
0: Well, I'm sorry. What I'm more trying to say <laughs> is, is is more of a good story, which is which is he, there was representation, and he was like seeing himself. He was seeing his. Oh, who world. cares?
2: Shut up and watch it at home then. <laughs> what an asshole. Uh, Okay, well, oh. I,
0: I look back on that and I thought, okay, no. well, this is, this is this cool is that this is he's why. able to see okay, his yeah. so, so world I, I, and no, his story. No, screw him.
2: He's busy making. He's talking behind you while you're trying to watch the movie. Sure. No idea of other people. Okay. Totally okay. self-absorbed. Yeah, sure. uh, this is not the kind of thing you do. This is what you do at home, which is what I do. And I don't even talk when I'm at home watching a movie. Sure. I watch it and I'll watch it on the, the, the TV or on the, on the laptop. And I'll enjoy it. I love history. All right. So I I watched lots of these uh, historical and biographical movies, which I love. I love, love, love. Those are my favorite movies of all time.
0: Historical biographies? Yes,
2: absolutely. I watched this great one, uh, 2015 movie, just the other day. Um, Tom Hardy plays both Reggie and Ronnie Cray. It's called Legend. Okay. Great movie about what happened in the 60s in London. These two brothers who were gangsters. And Tom Hardy plays both the twins. Oh, cool. And I he, like Tom he, Hardy. He's so good. It was really good. Well, that was you, worthwhile.
0: Then you'll really like Oppenheimer.
2: I probably Cause, will. Cause I probably will. You
0: know, maybe we can take the, the, the cinema experience out of it for you and you can wait a little until it comes. But ultimately that's what it is. It's this historical biography. And it really is this incredible character study of a of a of an interesting person. He was, he was quite a genius. He's a genius. So they, I think they do an and incredible, perhaps a communist. it's
2: <laughs> still not sure. <laughs> little,
0: little pink, yeah. but it certainly ruined the latter half of his life. Those mm. ties, those yeah. communist ties. But, um,
2: well, you know what they say? I mean, once you've, uh, you've associated yourself in any way with communists, they'll poison everything else about your life.
0: Well, yeah. And
2: at that time, Dreadful but, people, communists, have you met them? <laughs> I've met them once. They're awful.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> But the, you'd appreciate the way that Nolan at least in the beginning half of the film tries to get you inside his mind, this brilliant mind. And so it especially is nice with good IMAX sound. But as you see the way these atoms are flying through the air and you and you and you just try and get a sense
2: of what's going on in his head. It's lovely. You're a real movie guy, though, huh? What? You'd love this stuff. <laughs> stuff. No, you appreciate it. No, I can tell you love this stuff. See, I'm I'm more of a casual kind of movie guy. No, it's not. I, mean, I, I love a good that? story. Um, I love the way that movies have brought to life so many of the things that before you had to have in your imagination. Sure. I think we've lost something. That's why I also believe radio has got its its role because you tell one story, and a hundred thousand people see a different picture in their heads, They're imagining it. Yeah, same with just. Podcasting, Special. Yeah. same with podcasts, same with books, mm. but those are the only three places you still get that: podcasting, books, and 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 then reading. Mm. Um, I mean, I mean uh, the overlap with them, which is audiobooks. Yeah. Um, but I think if you're a real movie fan, then maybe the way you've just described these scenes, you analyze the stuff, and you, you know, you're 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 impressed by like beautiful cinematography and. And a, and a scene that you you almost could use as a still photo that mm. turns into a moving photo, and and that kind of thing I understand. I have an appreciation for it, but I'm. It's kind of like my attitude to food. I can I can appreciate a good meal, but I have no interest in how it's made.
0: Yeah, so I actually so off a bit like that. With, so, yeah, with, so, with the,
2: so then I follow the maxim that uh, someone once taught me, which is absolutely true and it's wise. Uh, people who enjoy sausages would do well to stay out of the kitchen and see how they're made.
0: Interesting. Right.
2: Yeah, I feel the same about a movie. I'm not one of those people who's going to sit and deconstruct it. I used to hate them doing that to us at school. They would, they would take a really great movie, and by the time you'd done a breakdown of every scene and figured yeah. out the plot and where the – uh, denouement is and <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> how, how they put together the composition of every every frame and the color and the lighting. and I felt that it had almost removed the innards from the thing and sure. made it an analysis rather than something to be enjoyed.
0: Yeah, I must say I do go into cinema very fun like that and very relaxed. I don't overanalyze and overcriticize and I, I wouldn't even consider myself a cinephile. I've got lots of friends that are far more... Into, into the weeds. Okay. And I, I quite like just appreciating some simple, happy, fun story that's like a more made for TV movie. I can appreciate it all.
2: Do you use the the, the, the critics as a barometer? Do you use um, Rotten right. Tomatoes? Do you use any of that it, stuff? To- it
0: perhaps helps, especially when you think like you've got to make a decision whether the next two hours are, are going to be worth it. Um, but perhaps you'd appreciate. There's a guy called Leon Feneerup. I don't know if you I know who Leon Feneerup you
2: know is. He used to. He was like the Afrikaans Barry Ronger for a long time. Yeah, right? and, he, and yeah.
0: he is is doing that uh, with every day that goes by. And he he lectured us at Vitz once, and he said, "If you come out of a film different to how you came in." It's done its job. Oh, that's clear. That's and good. it's such a that's lovely clear. measure, which is like, are you angrier? Are you more excited? Are you yeah. more motivated? Are you more horny? Like are you that. more frustrated? The worst thing a film could ever do is just leave you cold, where you kind of forget that you watched it. Like, that's probably the best measure that...
2: I have walked out of movies before. I'll never forget uh, Ashton Kutcher's Dude, Where's My Car? <laughs> okay. I should have known.
0: Maybe the name was And there were two
2: others. There was one... Called Dark City. Yes, what an absolute steaming pile of shit! Um, I went to see that with my two best friends at Varsity. I walked out. My other mate walked out about halfway through, and the other one stayed for the whole thing. He thought it was amazing. (laughs) It was oh, this is brilliant. This is genius. I remember it being Mister Chair and Mister Desk and Mister White and Mister Orange. And I was like, what nonsense is this? You could just tell someone had been given like someone's Brother or cousin had given them a budget and said, Go and make a movie. It was rubbish. <laughs> and well, well, dude, where's my car? I knew. Five minutes in, I was like, This is not going to happen. Yeah. I just, just got like, up. And I've, got, I've got, I've more... got, I didn't even, I didn't even excuse myself from the people I was there with. I was like, oh, There's no way I'm going to sit through this. <laughs> and I, I do have a we bit of. We did it a, as,
0: a, as a drinking game once. Really? Yeah. Well, we've, got a, we've got a night called Cheesy Movie Night where these movies
2: sometimes make
0: an appearance. Oy, oy, oy. But we did it as a fun um. Selena also, I too. hated
2: that Stanley Kubrick, um Nicole Kidman, Tom Cruise. Uh, Eyes wide shut. Eyes wide shut. Mm. Hated that movie with that piano that kept going bling, pling, pling, <laughs> bling. See, that's just where I think they've gone beyond yeah, making an entertaining movie and, and it becomes so self indulgent. You can just tell it like
0: what was what were some of the others that you loved?
2: I loved I mean, I've just given you like history as a category, right? So yeah. I think that I've always loved um, Kingdom of Heaven, which I've watched the director's cut of. Mm. That's about the, the crusade and Saladin and, you know, the, 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 the actual kingdom of Jerusalem that was established in the 1100s. Um, because again, it has relationships to actual history. Mm. And while it's it's not true to history, it, it's a beautiful story well told. Yeah. I don't mind a long. I mean, I, I loved the Alexander movie too. Oh,
0: uh, the um, with Colin Farrell. With, Colin
2: Farrell as Alexander with, as the I Blondie. That. Yeah, I, I like. Um, uh, there's so many of those that that I, I still think are magnificently done. Um, there was a, a tremendous version of King Charles II, played by. King Charles II. Yeah, I I can't, can't remember who it is now. Well
0: one one thing that you might like is a film called The Lost King. What's that?
2: It is uh it's about King Richard. And it's a it's a true story oh, of the woman. Tell you, let me just while you bring that up. Yeah, yeah. Greatest movie, rediscovered by me, obviously for many people who understand movies. And The Lion in the Winter with Catherine Hepburn.
0: Okay. I don't know. It is
2: it is probably Just the dialogue in this thing is Catherine Hepburn. Catherine Hepburn. It's that old. Mm. It is beautiful. Everything about it, every line Mm. that the the two principal story. So the principal characters, Catherine Hepburn plays um, the wife of King Henry II, Eleanor of Aquitaine. And the two of them are together for a Christmas in the early eleven hundreds. With their four sons, who are all bickering and fighting over who's the favourite, who's going to inherit, and Henry the Second is John Gilgood, I think. We'll do a little fact check on I'll, this. I'll and check it put quickly it in. now, because if I'm wrong, it's going to be embarrassing. But no, but it's, um, we can always. Lion in the winter. Let me look this up for you, because it's absolutely bloody brilliant. The and lion
0: in the winter. The lion in the winter.
2: Yeah. So set in Christmas, eleven eighty-three. Now I even got the dates roughly right. Centers on the political and personal turmoil in the royal family of King Henry II of England, and it f- uh, we've got who have we got in this movie. Oh, she won the Academy Award for Best Actress in a Leading Role that year. Okay, and I can see why. Right? It is. Where beautiful. Where were you when you watched it? I watched this on my laptop in bed one night, just three or four years ago. <laughs> okay, great. I, I, I mean. It's it's not available on yeah you know it's out in the seas as it's we, out as we, there. Peter O'Toole, Peter O'Toole is Henry no, that's II. A, that's a famous. That's They've a famous got Anthony film. Hopkins as as King Richard. Okay. They've got um, Timothy Dalton as oh. the French King Philippe. It's so beautiful. He, now, what I liked about it is that the the writing is so good that can. you can tell that they poured over every line. They thought, now oh, is this powerful enough? How can we change this? How does the interplay between the characters, the results from this line, add value to the movie? By the end of it, you're you're just you're blown away, and yeah. it's the most beautiful love story.
0: I wonder whether it's the same King Richard, because I, I must I say don't, I don't know. But no, it's but, it's but, not. But, but it, this movie's There was a, just watch this movie. Okay,
2: you'll want to you'll want to put it on.
0: Thank you. Uh, there is a King Richard who was largely misunderstood and largely discredited, and was buried. Um, in a place that nobody knows.
2: Okay, you're talking about King Richard III. That's it's a king different Richard king. III. Okay, it's a little later on. He's in, a, in a, I think, the early 1400s. Uh, Battle of Bosworth was where he was hacked down by Henry Tudor. Yeah, and yes, he was buried under a car park in Leicester.
0: So this movie called The Last King is about the woman who goes on this research campaign and finds
2: a movie or documentary. It's a a movie. It's a fiction.
0: Well, it's a it's a narrative story. It's got the woman who was in shape of water. You'll recognize her face. Um and she plays the woman who finds him in the parking lot. I gotta watch this. Yeah, it's lovely. And so she 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 sort of gets these visions of Richard. He sort of arrives. He sort of sits on the bench outside her house and he amazing. sort of sees her and she thinks she's going insane, but then he can't obviously answer her questions, but she just knows she's gotta uncover the truth. Wow. And goes on this quest and it's a true story. No, that, sounds, woman. that
2: sounds amazing. Okay.
0: No. Love it. Cool. Um I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I am enjoying this. Go on. <laughs> Go on. Um what is um what is exciting you now with your your Life and
2: so we we're nine years in at Cliff Central. We, you know, podcasting is now established. I think it's kind of mission accomplished there. And although the business is really successful by anyone's standards, particularly in an economy like this, I feel like we could be doing more. And I'm looking at ways to kind of innovate again. Mm. A few years later, you have to keep changing. You have to keep advancing. Keep thinking ahead. Yeah. And I'm ready to make some, some moves and some changes, but I don't think that that means that this business is in any way threatened. I'll add those things to what we're already doing.
0: Mm.
2: Where, do you, where do you see things? I think the way things are going, it's increased disintermediation. I think you know there, there aren't those big things that you were talking about, earlier, those big events that pull people together anymore. Mm. People are ever more discerning. They're finding the content they care about. I hate that word content because, you know, it comes from when people are coding an app or they're filling a website up Mm. um, in order to present it to people. And the stuff they just throw in to fill that is called content. Okay, And by virtue of the fact that you're looking at how the app works or how the website works, the content itself doesn't matter. Okay. So the term content in that respect spilled over into this hold-all term for any kind of entertainment yeah. um, or information. Yeah. And I feel like that word has just been horribly hackneyed and used in the most terrible ways. So now people are content creators. Yeah. I mean, what an awful thing to be called. It's not a sexy term. That's what everybody does—from brilliant musicians who write songs to people who sit in front of a mic and 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 talk nonsense.
0: Yeah, it sort of takes away what exactly it is that they're making.
2: Yeah, I mean, musician is a real title. Um, Even radio presenter is a real thing.
0: Yeah, Uh, well, someone could say I'm a I'm a actor, I'm a whatever political commentator. But to say you're a
2: content creator almost hides the ball. You know, it's like well. What, are you producing porn for OnlyFans? Yeah. Because those are content creators. And I
0: think that in some cases, yeah. that is literally the answer. And then- no, They're trying to hide then, what they really up to. Then use that term.
2: I'm a content creator. You're like, okay. It so, could mean, you, know, you watch some of the things people do on YouTube, for example. There's one guy who, he just- he changes he like unboxes shit <laughs> sure he he take he gets a box with something he's ordered on eBay and then he or on Amazon and he yeah. opens it and peep millions of people <laughs> these brain dead people are watching this happen yeah and he's got numbers through the roof and i'm like content creator yeah okay well so what do you what do you
0: um what would you want to be doing more of
2: um look part of the reason that it's a struggle to get me to the cinema. It's because I've had this incredible experience in my 20s and 30s and, and now 40s of of being in television and in radio and going to all these cool events and being a part of like a really exciting time in South Africa. I kind of like to be on my own a lot. I sure. also like to be around people I already know. I'm always happy to meet new people. It would be uh, a lie for me to say that I'm, I don't like meeting new people, but as I said to you about the experience of of the universe that we we went to see it at Bioscope once i'm there, I love it sure, but to get me to actually go and to say yes and to leave my house at the appointed time to go and do it, yeah I feel like i'm I'm becoming a, a bit of a hermit
0: yeah well i used the term hermit lust at one point <laughs> as a antithesis to wonderlust. Yeah. Where I was like and I think that can only come from someone who has had a very fulfilling I
2: mean, between you and me, I life, life week. COVID okay. was a really stupid idea. But personally, I really didn't mind.
0: I was okay with it too. Yeah. I, I actually thought I was in fact more of an introvert going into COVID. And then halfway through i was like no no i'm an extrovert i do yeah. i do need to well, talk to other people so, and- so
2: monday to friday i'm happy to not see a whole lot of people i get my 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 uh, requisite amount of, of inspiration or connection with people at work mm. and there's a lot to do during the week you you you're busy sure and the um, same
0: with the bioscope i was meeting lots of people with short straw there's lots of people around you so 100%. i was i was very stimulated
2: but i don't do things during the evenings at home in the week <laughs> I sound yeah. like the most boring, crabby old bastard in the world. But it comes but after I,
0: having done years and years of lots yeah, of things. Yeah, when you're in
2: front, and when people recognize you, and this is not like some "oh, it's horrible to be famous" thing. But yeah. in this country, there aren't really famous people. Yeah, the most famous people in this country are people who are dead already: Desmond Tutu, Nelson Mandela. That's it. <laughs> sure. No, really, yeah. nobody else is really that famous. Yeah, and,
0: Morgan Freeman only comes out to. Uh, but he's not from here. To nobody, he only does that. Event where he reads passages for certain people. <laughs> well,
2: I mean, yeah, correct. He's not going to do that for me when I'm dead. Yeah. And the fact is also that I, I, I don't need a lot of uh, stimulation from from other people. I get it from books, from movies, occasionally from mm. from listening to podcasts, from music. Mm. All of those things are tremendously inspiring to me. So it almost feels like that small talk that you have when you're at drinks parties or things. Yeah, sure. Not really my scene. And I, I mean, I've got very good friends too who are mostly really exciting, smart people. Yeah, I, and then they I, I can, get then they can of stimulate you. Absolutely. And,
0: yeah, you need that. You need And that I love my family, so I see a lot of them.
2: But from the point of view of the career, I would be happy to invent something and just make tons of money and you never hear from me again. <laughs> I really would. Sure. I'm not looking for attention. Yeah, if that's what it is, and the media business in this country is only so big, yeah. so I'm in no way giving up on it. But there's not a lot of continents that left to explore in terms of media in sure. this country. Where, yeah. where, what, what is there to do? I'm, not, I'm going to make a movie. Mm. Um, ironically, we're talking a lot about movies, but yeah. that's not something I want to do.
0: And you don't want to write another book, by the
2: sounds of it. No, <laughs> not now. Maybe one day when I've really lived. Yeah. And I, I have a very good time. I'm I'm very happy. I wake up in the morning, and I'd rather be me than anybody else. Which is it's it's a very cool yeah. And it's not by choice or by some uh, genius that I've discovered this. It's just that I am my brain chemistry is such that I'm very happy to be me. So I wake up, I go, mm, it's good to be Gareth. I always go, could be better if I looked like you know a movie star, or if I had a billion dollars in the bank, but. It's not so bad being no. me. I'm not jealous of anybody else. Yeah. And I think that the, the thing that keeps me interested is, and I've always been curious about the world, is I'll always discover something new and worthy of learning. And sometimes it's sitting talking to someone like you. Mm. Sometimes it's picking up a good book, listening to an audiobook, podcast. Um, Perhaps you'd,
0: you'd want to do some kind of travel show?
2: I do, I do a fair amount of travel. My favorite part of travel is coming home, which isn't to say that travel isn't fun. Yeah. But my favorite part of it is to come home having had the experience. Yeah. Give presents to people and talk about the thing when it comes yeah. up in a discussion like this. And yes, I've had extraordinary opportunities to, to travel. Um, there are lots of places I still want to go.
0: Yeah. Where's, where's next on the bucket list?
2: Sure. Um, you know, I've always been because, again, of history, I was wanted to go and see places like Iran, but not for Iran, for Persia, uh-huh. for Persepolis and Persaga Day.
0: Okay, so when you speak of history, you, you're really going back.
2: Yeah, well, it, it, there's also modern history. I mean, I yeah. did uh, last, in, in, I said last, this year in, in April, um, a friend of mine organized a trip for us to the, the battlefields of the Second Anglo-Boer War.
0: Yeah, Which remember was, doing those as, as a kid. I, in I high do, school.
2: and I I loved them then, and I love them now. I don't think I appreciated
0: them enough, didn't you? As a kid, I, I would love to oh, go man. back as an adult. It's amazing when you go back to certain well, things as an you, adult, and you can you appreciate. Know, when it you're more. a
2: kid, you want the instant gratification stuff. You want. Uh, you, you, no, I, I, I think I did appreciate it to some degree, but, but I, I don't know how much of it retained. I, I loved this no, this trip in April. I loved you are wandering around, explaining how the battle worked out where it was and where everybody was placed and who surrendered and the character of the the general and you know mm. the, the political situation in the country and it, I find that stuff really really exciting because history as I've said so many times to people is the only subject you do at school that's about people the rest yeah. is about things or about language or about
0: yeah no and you can just learn such an incredible amount about how the world's going to React to something.
2: Yeah, because human nature doesn't change. yeah. And humans are prone, even with the best lessons that other people have learned for them, to pay no attention to those lessons and go ahead and make the same <laughs> mistake themselves.
0: Yeah. I think hopefully uh, when COVID 2022 or 23 arrives, <laughs> someone will go like, maybe we don't have to ban the park Like, that was silly. Uh, Yeah.
2: Well, hopefully if COVID comes along next time, no one listens. Yeah. Because I I think uh, having, you know, with retrospect looked at it, I don't think my life uh, changed at all. I didn't listen to any of those rules. I didn't bother with any of that stuff. I I think the first weekend, I spent quietly at home thinking, hmm, hope no one dies. Because we were all scared. Yeah, sure. And the second weekend, I was like, this is a disaster. Mm. We have to get out of this. Because remember, it was like, Two weeks to flatten the curve. Yeah. Sure. And it ended up being like three years of just stupidity. So sure. no. Can't wear, a certain amount can't of wear open shoes, buy Woolworth's chicken, uh, yeah. don't smoke, don't drink. Sure. Wear a mask. We know those are pointless. Everybody was everybody who made those rules was stupid and they must still apologize to us. But paradoxically, it was a very good time for me. I yeah. enjoyed doing my own thing. Yeah, good. Lovely, man. Yeah. No, let's not go there again. But, yeah. but I, I will come to the bioscope again.
0: Thank you. And it'd be lovely to oh. lovely to have you.
2: Sure. Anytime. Hang Tell on. me what's going on.
0: No. Thanks, man. Good. Cool. Well, thank you for your time. Pleasure. I appreciate Absolutely. hanging out. That's no, very good. All right. What a chat. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I think you know what you're getting when you when you get Gareth Cliff in.
0: <laughs> he is uh, He's very outspoken. Yeah, definitely. Very strong opinions. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, some of it uh, could perhaps r- rub some people the wrong way, but...
1: Yeah, whenever you get people who are like, forthright with their opinions, they're going to ruffle feathers. Yeah, they're I not going to be everyone's friend. Yeah, exactly.
0: But uh, I I believe that for the most part, um, his his intentions are, are in a good direction. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there might be perhaps some casualties uh, along the way, but... <laughs> But um, the 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 intentions are good, yeah. and I think he's got South Africa's good in in mind. Yes, and I think that's what he's shooting for a lot of the time. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was good to good to have that time with him.
1: Definitely, yeah.
0: I, I appreciated that. Mm. Um, it had me realize something. Yep. That this idea of like a household name. Yes. And and what I think is so interesting now, and it's as as the media landscape changes it mm. feels like every day. It had me realize that only when we all tuned into mainstream media yeah. did we have these household names, like Derek Watts, for example. Yes. Rest in peace. Yeah. You know, and Gareth Cliff, they were all part of a, as you said, this kind of national project. And mm. you know, he said it in the chat. I, I think about this often with with short straw because when we were on radio, that that was a big deal. Yes. And that gave us this 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 huge exposure, yeah, where now it feels like we're so segmented, mm. um especially in a place like South Africa where we are so diverse yes um as much as we do come together in 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 some shapes or forms, for the most part we we listen to drastically different music yeah um we consume drastically different t v shows. Um, nothing wrong with that no, necessarily, especially not. when it comes to the amount of languages we have. Yes, but I wonder whether the idea of a household name has gone, is going to go. Yeah, and it's quite hard now because we're in that transitionary phase. Yes, because we still we still have the, the the we still remember those things. Yeah, and those people. But I, I said to someone, this is a bold statement, <laughs> but something like Game of Thrones. Yeah. That was like the last, one of the last TV shows we all tuned in for. Yeah. I wonder whether there will ever be a TV show that will ever be the same.
1: Yeah. Well, something, I mean, something Gareth actually said that I really agree with is the problem of content. Yeah. Everything has become content. It was, it was actually, I think Bill Gates was the first one to actually use the term in that way. Essentially, everything online is content. Yeah. Which is a, which is a problem because it means something like, for instance, I just watched a two-hour-long YouTube video where a guy spent a year of his life making a documentary about the castle of Cagliostro, which is. Um, <laughs> What's that? It's Hayao Miyazaki's first feature film. Okay. Um, he spent two, like a year of his life making this thing, right? Yeah. So, but it's on the internet, so it's content. So it has the same value as Elon Musk's last stupid tweet. Because yeah. a tweet is also content, yeah. you know they're all kind of judged in the same way. Yeah.
0: And 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 yeah, there's a whole there's a whole sector of content yeah. that is just pretty women dancing.
1: Yes, They're, and not, doing, they're not doing
0: anything else. they're, yes. not, they're not saving the puffins. Yeah. <laughs> they're
1: not raising any money. Yes, they are literally just shaking their ass. Yeah. <laughs> no, and and yeah, and I get there's an audience for that, but the problem is it's la- It's the same thing as something that somebody's put time and care and effort into? Well, speaking of
0: time, care and effort, uh, there's a Netflix show that I just um, started watching last night, funny enough, Mm -hmm. called Live to 100. Okay. Where the main guy, and now I've forgotten his name, but the main guy has dedicated the last 20 years of his life to studying what's called the Blue Zones. Okay. Which is the parts of the world where... People are living the longest. Right. And I think this is fascinating. Okay. I remember first hearing about this in a podcast where I think it was this island uh, or Sicily, parts of Sicily, oh, okay. this Italian island. Yes. Where people are studying these people for right. the first time because they're realizing all of them are living to 100 and well over 100. Right. And, of course, it's a it's no single secret. Yes. But it, this, this limited series called Live to 100 is on Netflix, where this guy is now going to finally break open and show his 20 years of research, which of yes. course has come along the way in 20 years yes. he's done a lot of talks and but this could probably be the most formative explanation of what he's learned okay and um, there's fascinating stuff right one of the biggest takeaways't want to <laughs> yeah i don't want to diminish this guy's like you know decades of work yeah. but it, it it's balance of uh, what you eat yes, and your society and how you guys interact. Generally speaking, it's like good, clean food. Right. It's, if you can imagine, a, an, an Italian village. Yes. <laughs> you know, everyone just talks shit <laughs> in the center. Yeah. They all get together and whenever you go, even, <laughs> funny enough, yeah. even in Jovo, if you go to, there's a there's a restaurant in Louis Buerta, like mm. a deli called Super Sconto. Right. Where they sell authentic Italian products. Right. Even there, yes. There's Italian men that just talk shit to each other for hours. <laughs> I remember going there for a sandwich. And he's like just spoke shit for hours to each other. And and that is what is making these folks live long. Yes. Um, because they've they they socially, mm. you know, they they're not they're not dying away by themselves. Right. They they're doing it together in the town square and they, yes. even if you go to <laughs> What's that other one in Norwood? It, it's a Joburg parking lot, but Oaks are still sitting out <laughs> in the parking lot talking to each other in Italian. Um, there's that, and then there's also... The first episode is is set in Japan. Okay. And um, the Japanese, in, in true Japanese style, yes. have got like a word for something. Right. You know, to embody an idea. Yes. <laughs> we don't have that. No. <laughs> <laughs> I really wish we did. Um, but there's something called Ikigai. Ikigai, which is basically... The name given to to your your purpose in life, your mission, your, right? You know what you bring to the world—sowing, yes. like or farming. Or, you know, it's 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 yeah, your mission in right. life. And and all these people have that, and they don't ever mm. retire. Right? There's no such idea as retiring okay. in Japan. Mm. You just you continue to work <laughs> in some shape or form. Yes. There's no idea of like, I've got to go until a point, and It's interesting. Right. Okay. But it's not about staying, you know, s- staying um, alive for longer. It's yes. about enjoying your life. Right. And then
1: ironically, you then. It's not like these billionaires spending millions and millions of dollars to try and extend their lives and that sort of thing. It's about, you yeah, know, the, why the, you stay alive. Yeah, it's a quality yeah. of.
0: And the essence is, yes. is that. Speaking of. Staying alive yes. or dying, <laughs> a good it that I'm enjoying oh, yeah? is Only Murders in the Building.
1: Okay, it's on season three now. Season three. Okay, and I haven't watched any of it. I've heard it's very good. It's delightful. Cool.
0: And it's, it's feels very classic and old-timey in the okay. sense. Because not only do you have uh, Steve Martin and Martin Short.
1: Yeah, like a classic comedic duo. Yeah,
0: yeah. which are two actors very much in their third act hmm. of life. They have had these long and illustrious careers. Yeah. And then the third wheel in the, in the combo or in the ensemble is Selena Gomez. yeah. So she brings this very young okay. audience cool. to the show as well, and a young energy to the show. Mm. And basically what it is, it's a good old whodunit. Cool. Um, in each season, someone's died. Right. And the, and the funny joke is that it's happened inside their building, which is this iconic building in, right. in New York. And they, um, Make a podcast about this, okay, and so they've now become known as podcasters right. for, for true crime. Cool, <laughs> um, but in the latest season, it's um, Meryl Streep comes out and Paul Rudd's in it, isn't Paul he? Paul Rudd yeah. is great, he plays this like absolute sort of dickhead, right? Um, he kind of plays like a like a nasty version of himself, right? Okay. This, this big um Hollywood superstar yes. that's been in stupid movies, right? You know, like the kind of play at the idea of him being this marvel superhero right okay cool um but um martin short is is just phenomenal mm. he's just great yeah he's very funny dude. and um and uh yeah and meryl streep is is meryl streep yeah of course yeah. have you ever seen that funny um picture of that <laughs> that like maltese Poodle that's sitting on the chair that's got meryl streep's name on it no <laughs> It's so funny, obviously. You know, when, you know that classic director's yeah. set chair where yes. they write the person's name, and there's this Maltese poodle sitting there, and, and the caption goes, "My God, she's talented." <laughs> 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 this is
1: great. That's good. Um, what are you? What are you enjoying? Uh, well, Ahsoka just started the new ah, Star Wars series. Ahsoka. Yes. And that
0: who who's who is Ahsoka? That's um She is
1: not in any of the movies, curiously, because she's a very important character in the grand scheme of things, because she was Anakin's Padawan.
0: Padawan, for those who don't know, yes. is the sort of apprentice yeah. of, a,
1: of a, a Jedi. Jedi. Yes. So she was Anakin's Padawan between episode two and episode three. Oh. Yes. Okay,
0: so they sort of when they made episode two and three, they obviously didn't consider yeah, her at this all. this character didn't exist but yet. But they've since filled in that gap. Yeah. And then she's been a part of some of the Star Wars TV shows. Mm, Clone
1: Wars. Clone Wars. And Rebels. And
0: I think from the outside, mm. being someone who has um, enjoyed Star Wars from the shallow end. Yeah, casually. Casually. Um, I did notice that character when, when some of the things came out. I obviously mm-hmm. never watched any of that stuff. But yes. I noticed it because she's... She's got this very um, distinct looking head Yes With like tubes
1: I don't know what the, what the name of her, her, head. Her, her, her species is I don't know that yeah. Who's the
0: actress that's playing her?
1: Um, in the show it's Rosario Dawson I like her Yeah she's great she's She was great. actually She was like sort of a fan cast in a way Like a lot of people who are fans of the character Like if they ever do live action They should get Rosario Dawson they went Okay Interesting, we'll, we'll yeah. Rosario Dawson. She's a good choice for that character. Okay, but what's I think what's interesting is when they first introduced her in Clone Wars, people did not like her. They oh. were like she's a precocious, unlikable little like tween.
0: Oh, really? They were like
1: oh, we don't like this. So they kind of instead of doing what these days they would just go oh, we're just never going to put that character in anything ever again. But okay. instead they kept kind of like working on it and evolving the character. And now she's like one of the the like fan favorite
0: oh, interesting. characters.
1: Yeah, you know, people love Ahsoka.
0: And and what was the what was the episode like for
1: you? It's pretty good. Um, okay. I'm someone who, in terms of Star Wars, is kind of sick of just seeing the same thing all the time. Okay. Like the same characters and the same planets and the same stories. It's always Jedis and Sith and there's guys with the letter T's for a face and big triangle spaceships. And I'm just like, I don't need this anymore. Okay. You know? I'm you've had of, your, You've had your... I'm like, Star Wars bet- is so like... It's like a whole fucking universe. You can tell any story you want, okay. but they kind of just keep telling the same kind of stories over and over again. And because they're, they're safe,
0: of... and because they're money grabs. Exactly, because okay. any
1: time they stray from that, there's like a subset of fans who will just start screaming.
0: Sure. You know? But um, <laughs> did you watch Andor? Yes. Because I think for the people who don't obsess over Star Wars, yeah. that was very celebrated because mm. it's a little bit like The Dark Knight, funny enough. Kind of. It was... It was in the the world of this kind of superhero mm-hmm. thing, but at the heart of it was something like a really good, well-thought-out thriller yeah. that just happened to have Batman in the background. Yeah, exactly. And and it sounds like Andor was a really well-thought-out thriller. It's much more thriller, low-key,
1: right? much more very political. Okay. Like they kind of get into the trenches of the, the empire bureaucracy and how shit that all is. Okay, so it was really just enjoyed. smarter. And, mm, and, and, very well written. I think that's like a well key written. to it. Like they sort of tried to do, there's an episode in the third season of The Mandalorian where you can tell they're going, oh, like that stuff worked in this. Let's try and do our own version of that just in one episode. And it doesn't work because the writing's not as good. Uh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. and like Yeah. Andor's a very good show. So like even for people who don't like Star Wars, Andor's the, Andor's the kind of thing that you can recommend because it's so kind of un-Star Wars-like. That's mm. okay. good. Okay.
0: And how's your uh, movie a day going?
1: Yeah, it's going pretty well. I'm in a space phase, okay, just watching so, a bunch of space movies.
0: So, for those who are unfamiliar, um, there's a there's a very good reason why Graham is <laughs> working at the video store, <laughs> apart from being a very good friend and someone we always go and watch movies with. Um, you have embarked on a very ambitious. Um, challenge for yourself yes, to watch one movie a day. Yes.
1: Every day this year. Yesterday was day 246. 246. And I watched Apollo 13. Oh, lovely. Yeah. It's a great movie. I love Apollo 13. Yeah. It's such a good movie. Ron Howard is a real, like, hit-or-miss director. Where's he missed? Oh, like those stupid Angels and Demons movies. But they were solid. solid. I mean, maybe they Were they? Okay. <laughs> All right. And uh-huh. he did that movie that was like the... The movie that was the true story that inspired Moby Dick, which is also really bad. But then every now and then he gets something like Apollo thirteen, which is amazing. The and Heart
0: of the Heart of the Sea, something the like ocean. that. It Chris, wasn't bad.
1: Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. It was okay. um, and Frost Nixon, which is fantastic. I think Frost, Frost okay. Nixon is a great movie. Um, but yeah, I really like Apollo thirteen. But Apollo thirteen is great. Yeah. Yeah. I think it 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 kicked off. I decided to read um, Andy Weir's other books. So, Andy Weir is the guy who wrote The Martian. Yes. Which is a fantastic book and a great movie. Yes. No, The Martian.
0: The, was The Martian his first yes. book? How did he write it again? There was something kind of quirky and different about how The so, Martian came together.
1: As far as I know, I haven't super looked into this, but I think what he was doing was a lot of the book is written in the form of like written logs. Written by Mark Watney, who's the astronaut who's stuck on Mars. Okay. So, a lot, most of the book actually is in the form of like his written logs. Yes. Saying, like, this is what happened to me today, but, but, but so these the are the books, problems the, I had to solve. Did
0: the book start with like almost like blogs?
1: Yeah. I think it essentially started as he was publishing it as, as if this was the actual blog, so to speak, of an astronaut trapped on Mars. Oh, that's cool. And then when that kind of got popular and picked up a bit, they then turned that into a book where he went and wrote like the in between chapters. Which are like more traditionally. It was like written. sort
0: of fan-funded, wasn't it?
1: Oh, I actually don't know. I don't I know. I heard something I about that. Yeah, they they, and I think the research was incredible. Mm, yes, like it's all as far as I know, like the the math and the science kind of is is accurate yeah. as much as it can be.
0: Okay, so if you remember the Martian, that was Matt Damon. Yes, where he gets stuck on Mars and yeah. it's all about the mission to bring him home. Ridley Scott. Directed. At one point, yeah. At one point, he figures out how because he was a, he was a botanist he's a botanist yes yeah so he was he figured out effectively how to grow plants mm. on the space station so that he could survive yes and um and apparently they were accurate that if you had to choose one plant or one thing mm. that could actually keep you alive potatoes are the one okay there's apparently a scientific fact to that cool and that's maybe what he what he used mm. You know, if you eat anything else over and again, eventually it'll kill you. But yes. But if there was one thing that you could survive on. Yeah. It would be potatoes. It would be potatoes. Okay. I think you've got the whole continent of Russia to back yes. that up. <laughs> you can make... An island. Can, yeah. You can make um, vodka out of yeah. it. And all that shit.
1: Uh, cool. So that's what I've been enjoying. Yeah. From and then my side. He, he's written two other books since then. Oh, One cool. is called Artemis. which is sort of about like a colony on the moon. So the first like the first like habited colony on the moon and kind of like it's a few years old now and there's like smuggling and crime and all the stuff going on up Uh, there. So it's about a a woman who uh, uh, a young woman who's like smuggling stuff onto the moon and kind of gets involved in organized crime. That's a little above her, you know, Uh, Interesting. it's good. It's not as good as the Martian, but it's, and again, like the, the science and all that stuff is, is pretty sound.
0: Yeah, it it sounds like what he's very good at is not going into a galaxy far, yes. far away. It's like how how accurate mm. um, the future would be, yes, with actual science and yeah. actually what's possible. Yeah, exactly. Um, did you ever watch Ad Astra?
1: That Brad Pitt did. On? It's on my list to watch again recently because it's interesting
0: how they at that point in the movie they'd, well, at that point in in society, there was a pretty established moon station. Yes. And it looked like a subway station. There was a subway.
1: <laughs> yes. And there was like yeah. a few
0: shops. But that was the moon. Yes.
1: Yeah. I need to watch it again. I didn't enjoy it the first time I watched it. All the reviews I've read are like, this is amazing. And I just I was found it a bit dull. So I want to watch it again and kind of reassess.
0: Yeah. I think it was one of those movies that didn't present you with a plot. Yeah. Where they were like, here is the movie. Mm. I'm going to hold your hand. And we're going to walk down this plot together. Yeah. It was a bit more like. Here you are. Like, have a look around. It's basically (laughs) figure
1: it out for yourself. It's basically Brad Pitt going into space to find his dad, who's basically Colonel Kurtz. Which is yeah, that's
0: right. It was a bit was a bit apocalypse. Now it's like apocalypse. I didn't think about
1: that. No, which is again, Mm. it's like such a cool idea, and like Mm. I like the ideas, and it looks lovely, and Mm. quite slow, quite. Mm. Which is normally the kind really? of movie that I that I like, like character centric. Like maybe you weren't in the right place. Exactly. That's why I do want to watch it again. Okay. And then I read Andy Weir. So I kind of read them backwards because they're not they're not connected. But I read A- Andy Weir's third book, which is called Project Hail Mary. Project which Hail Mary. I fucking loved. Now these are going to become movies, huh? Hey? Yes, they've already both of these other ones have already been optioned by Lord Miller. So full um, Lord and Christopher Miller. Oh, that's a who are the guys who did recognizable name. Yeah, they did like 21 Jump Street. They did the Lego movie. They're very involved in the Spider-Verse movies. Uh, so they've been optioned. And it seems like they're kind of pushing Project Hail Mary first. Even though it's its third book, they're kind of pushing that one ahead faster.
0: Okay, what I is think, that about? Because
1: it's, man, I don't want to give away too much. Because I knew okay. nothing about it going in. So I loved like discovering everything that goes, that happens. So it opens with this guy who wakes up. He has no idea where he is. He's in like a, he's hooked up to all these like tubes and like all this stuff that's like feeding him and like bloodlines and stuff. Hmm. And there's two other people there who are also hooked up. They're both dead. Okay. And he has no idea where he is. He has no idea who he is. He can't remember his name or anything, but he kind of, when he gets like out of this sort of thing and he's trying to figure shit out, he quickly realizes, he quickly realizes he's, he's like sort of. Naturally, quickly doing like calculations and all the stuff. He's like, okay, something. I know something about math and stuff. Mm. And he quickly realizes there's too much gravity. Okay, there's like fifty percent more gravity going on. Okay, so I don't want to say he's
0: obviously in space.
1: Of yeah, he's somewhere. Okay, and that's all I want to say because again, I didn't even read like the back of the book. Because mm. like even when I read that after I would read the book, it's like oh that told me stuff I, I like really enjoyed discovering in the oh, book. Cool. So I can just call. go, go and okay. blind. Okay. Ryan Gosling is attached to be in the movie. Oh. Yeah. Speaking of yeah, Ryan
0: Gosling being attached to space
1: movies. Yes. Did you watch First Man? I I watched First Man the day before yesterday. Okay. Before that was in your everything. that was in your
0: space yes. your space mission. It is
1: fantastic. Interesting. I Sp- love it, that.
0: Yeah. It, it, that perhaps. A little bit like you watching Ad Astra. Mm. When I watched First Man, I also found,
1: found it a little weird and boring. Yeah. So the thing is, like, Apollo 13 is very, like, romanticized. It's very much about, like, the triumph of space and, like, the amazing thing that they did. Whereas First Man is this, like, very, like, singular character-focused thing. Yeah. And it's not even really about Neil Armstrong going to the moon.
0: Mm. His, yeah. So First Man is Brian Gosling being Neil Armstrong. Yes. And it's talking about... It's, a, it's, it's somewhat of a biopic about mm. Neil Armstrong
1: Yes, first, first bloke on the moon mm. But it's not even really about that It's What it's really centered about is how he is unable to process the grief of his daughter dying Because his daughter, uh. he had a young daughter who was like two years old She died of a brain tumor And the whole film was like really centered about how he just like can't deal with this grief And the effect that that has on his family, on, on his work And oh, It's so good, dude
0: yeah, I, I think that needs a thought. rewatch for mm, me because
1: that was a bit lost on me. Mm. Okay. He's a fantastic Ryan Gosling is like the best actor of this generation, dude. I agree. He's is incredible. I agree. So good. Mm. No, and he was phenomenal in Barbie. Yeah, and like completely like 180 in terms of like the sort of character.
0: Like yeah. you look at
1: Neil Armstrong and you look at Ken. Yeah. Like like couldn't be more different and he's so good at both of them.
0: One of the lovely sort of bucket list or sort of highlight moments of my life was um on an American holiday we went to the Houston Space Center. Oh, uh, cool. And we did the tour where you can go into the control room. Right. And you can and you can see the control room that that coordinated the moon landing. Cool. And um we sat in all the seats that all the dignitaries sat in. Which uh, was okay. this booth behind this the center. Yes behind the actual control room. Mm. And he even the, the tour guide even pointed to one of the people in the tour group and yes. said, ma'am, were you sitting? That's where the queen sat. Right. Because there were a whole bunch of famous you know, um, politicians yes. and dignitaries that were there to witness it. Mm. Um, I thought that was cool. And then he points to the, the one speaker box, which we can see on the one desk of yes. the space station. He said, that speaker box said, one small step for right. man, one giant leap for yeah. mankind. It's cool. Yeah. And you actually go into these rooms, at, and you can see some of the space rockets, wow, dude. And those just, things, those just ones, to see how huge they were. I was
1: about to say those ones that actually went to the moon. Those things were massive. Dude. Yeah,
0: no, then then the, they're obviously lying sideways mm, in these big warehouses.
1: The Saturn V. Yeah, yeah. massive thing, dude. It's insane. Yeah. I can't remember no, how how big it is, but it's multiple stories, like yeah, yeah, double no, digit like, stories. Uh, yeah,
0: you'd need. Three or four people just to be the circumference of, um, or just to be the what is it called from the one side to the other side of a circle,
1: mm.
0: not the circumference, the radius,
1: no, diameter,
0: diameter. Mm. Three, three or four people yep. for 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 the actual rocket part, the, <laughs> the blaster at the bottom. Yeah,
1: wild, wild. And then the bit that went to the moon was like
0: a tiny, tiny, li- a tiny little, like, little. It was, room, it was the size yeah. of like
1: two phone booths or something. Yeah, it's wild.
0: Yeah, I saw that in the Smithsonian. Insane, dude Yeah, wild um, One other thing which I think is kind of cool to mention Yes Is that Welcome to Wrexham Oh yeah? The next season is going to be on Disney Plus soon Cool 12th of September it comes out Cool And of course we kind of know what happened in real life Because it's a docu-series mm. So we know some things that have happened oh, Okay but, but a little bit like Drive to Survive Sometimes it's quite nice to just watch the TV show that yes. Tells you the whole story yes. of what happened um, but for those who've missed it, Welcome to Wrexham is the series of uh, Rob McElhaney and um, Ryan Reynolds mm. who have bought a Welsh soccer team mm. called Wrexham. Cool. And their investment has re-energized this town and the series shows all the blows, all the things, all the advancements. Yes. All the town characters and they follow a few people. And um it's a great it's the it's the real life Ted Lasso. Cool. It's probably the <laughs> quickest and easiest way to do it. Yes. Um and it's a very smart investment, mm. funny enough. Yeah. Because if you if it ha if something like a sports team has potential, yes. if you have millions and millions of dollars, yeah. which a guy like Ryan Reynolds has, yeah. um you can buy a team mm. at a relatively low rate. You can then give it huge exposure. You can yeah. buy other teams and they can go up the ranks, especially with something like in the UK, there's three or four tiers. Yes. And you can eventually sell this thing for
1: billions. Yeah. Even like, for of like like the amount of merchandise you can make for of that. Yeah.
0: It's no, insane. totally. So it's not a stupid investment no. if, if you can turn the team around. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that team, because that team's got potential to make it all the way up. They yeah. could be the next... Arsenal and Chelsea and yeah. Man United in however many years time. Yeah. So and then you then
1: you sell that thing for billions. Yeah, exactly. So it's super smart. Yeah. As an idea. Yeah. Anyways. But, but well speaking of, sort of like something that just costs a lot of money and ends up making you a huge amount of money. We saw Ninja Turtles a little while ago. Yes. It didn't do well at the box office. So it's only made like around $150 million, Okay, which isn't very good. But apparently, so far this year, they've done like more than a billion dollars in toy sales. Interesting. Which is like, okay, you you kind of understand now. It's like, oh, this is just like an ad for toys, Uh which is what cartoons always used to be like. Saturday morning cartoons, Transformers and G.I. Joe and all that stuff, they just made them. As adverts to sell toys
0: Yeah it's a good point You know
1: It's the exact same thing So like despite the fact That this movie hasn't made Hasn't done very well They're yeah. probably going to make More of them Because they've made A fuckload load of money Yeah You know tangentially Connected to it
0: Interesting And then the, uh, uh, They'll also Do very well When it's on When it's available at home Yeah especially with kids like yeah. it is it's cool to take your kids out yeah. but when it's
1: when you can just put it on TV yeah these days i think you with animated films in particular i don't think they're making huge amounts of money cuz parents are just going i'm waiting for it on disney plus yeah totally you know? so the strike in hollywood Strikes, multiple strikes, the WGA yeah. and SAG are both still on strike.
0: Yeah, so that's the Writers' the Organization and, the, and then the Actors' Guild yes. got on board as well. Okay. They're still
1: on strike. We spoke about it a few weeks ago. You can look up details. But they've actually kind of done the math on what it is they're actually asking for. Okay. So between them, because the Directors' Guild almost went on strike as well, but they managed to kind of sort that out before it kind of got bad. Not that it matters because no one can make more projects now anyway. Yeah. Um, but they, they worked out, basically what they're asking for is in the region of 450 to $600 million a year in total for both of these groups. 400 to
0: $600 million?
1: Yes. Which okay. is like, in Hollywood studio term, fucking nothing. It is nothing. Okay. It is like less than 1% of what these studios are making a year. Disney uh. alone is bringing in almost $90 billion a year. And these guys are saying, Oh no, we can't afford to pay these writers. Oh, uh, interesting. It's such bullshit, dude.
0: <laughs> interesting.
1: It's wild, dude. Zazlav and, and Iger and these guys are just and it's they can't seem to like comprehend the fact that people aren't on their side with this. Like everyone is on the side of of like the guilds.
0: Yeah, and a few a few of the smaller studios mm. who have the most to lose yes. or have the smallest budgets, they are the ones that are quite adaptable and they yeah. are
1: um, they've already agreed to some of these terms. Yeah, exactly. It's why they're they're allowed to um, market this new um, Michael Mann film, Ferrari, with Adam Driver, because the studio, I think the studio is called Neon. Yeah, Neon have agreed to the yep. terms. And so so is A twenty four. A twenty four still working? And it's like these huge studios could, with without even like trying, pay these people what they actually deserve. And it's weird to me that they're saying like, oh no, we can't afford this. This is like this will like ruin us. What you're saying is if you can't afford to pay people a living wage for what they for for their work. Your business is failing. That's what you're saying. Yeah. But they aren't. They're making hundreds of millions. Well,
0: at least they're pointing out that that some part of the foundation of their business
1: is is ridiculous. Yeah. As you said, if you can't pay minimum wage. But they can. That's the thing. They can easily afford to do this. They just don't want to because it takes like a little bit of profit away from them. Wild. It is insane, dude. Like I mean again, Disney alone made 87 billion dollars over the last year mm. it is insane yeah and they're saying they can't afford 400 million that's like collectively for all of the studios oh. it's not just disney that is total of what like the the writers and the the screen the actors are, are asking for is in the region of like 400 to 600 million dollars a year
0: okay, so that's basically almost like maybe 100 each yeah because there's about four six major platforms and yeah, streaming services exactly
1: Wild, it's wild. Just fuck these executives.
0: <laughs> cool, man. I. It's nice to catch up. Yeah, it's nice, and I'm glad that you're feeling a bit better. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you' a bit sicky. I was. Um, you can hear him a bit groggy still. Yeah. You think you had the COVID? I think I had COVID. I realised because I went to like the doctor and stuff on Tuesday. It's like, "Yeah, I have this stuff. Like, I have some." It's it's a virus. You just get over it in like a yeah. week or whatever. And then on Thursday, I was making food and I was like, Oh, "I can't smell this." Uh-oh. And I was like, oh, I can't taste this. Little
0: little flashback to uh <sighs> to twenty twenty one, twenty twenty.
1: Yep. But uh, it's fine. It's good to have you back. <laughs>
0: um okay. So for all of those who enjoyed today's episode um with a radio personality, it's worth mentioning that in our plethora of back catalogue yeah. there are other episodes with Radio personalities Cool So heading backwards in order We have uh, Stephanie B from 5FM cool. She's episode 53 Then as early as episode 11 Wild. We have Kerry Ann from Mix FM, Yes Which as I said at the start of the episode I was very much bringing in all my friends yes. And personalities um, And I think some of those people should come back Because Yeah definitely When these episodes came out We we had a small audience mm. And that's since grown then,
1: and we've kind of re- we've refined the whole show a lot. It's much yeah, more... so
0: it'd be cool to give them the questions. Yeah, yeah, I think um, so. Okay, so that was Carrie ann She was uh, episode eleven, and mm. then as early as episode eight mm. was Nick Hammond from Five FM. Cool, you should definitely come back. Yeah, I agree. All right, uh, we are the Video Store. Thank mm. you for listening. Our home base is thevideostore.co.za, and over there you can find the links to everything. And um, yeah. Once again, last reminder about those tickets. Oh, yes. For the Nun 2. For the Nun 2. A nice little horror. (laughs)
1: Mm, If you're into that sort of thing.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we've got tickets to give away uh, for those just need a reminder. Uh, The screening is going to take place on Thursday, the 7th of September in Joburg and Cape Town. Cool. And we've got a handful of tickets to give away. We want you to let us know on Instagram or on Facebook why you deserve them. Yeah. So that'll be in the comments of this week's episode. Cool. So in the post that we do on Instagram, we want you to leave a comment. Sweet. All right. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Thanks for listening. And we will see you again next week. Bye-bye. Cheers.